this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. Today is a brand new quarterly co-host. Let's jump into the intro. I'm going to tell you some more about it. Let's go. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Blue. What's up, Pete? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Today, we're talking to a brand new quarterly co-host and this lady is a bit of a legend you're going to get to know over three episodes just chatting about the structure of the safety team and how do we kind of change a culture and the, and what does psychological safety look like and what's authenticity and, and just all of these things all structured all around changing culture safety culture whatever we want to call it in the organization so who is the courtly co-host then it is the one and only legendary Crystal Danbury. She's going to stay with us for three episodes. We're going to get in deep on three subjects. I'll let her explain them more um, in a second. So let's jump into the sponsorship advert before we get into today's episode then. As you know, Paradigm Human Performance, and more specifically the HSE subscription service, is the proud sponsor of Rebound and Safety YouTube and podcast. Absolute perfect solution for those small, medium-sized enterprise, those kind of people that are juggling all the plates, and sometimes safety just falls by the wayside. Not consciously, just it just happens, you know, and we're not here to blame, we're just here to help. And that is literally what Paradigm Human Performance is trying to do. With this HSE subscription service, they are your right hand. They're human performance experts. So this isn't the kind of off-the-shelf compliance system you're going to have to declutter a couple of years down the line. This is an absolutely human organizational performance kind of influenced compliance system. Because compliance, whether we like it or not, is part of what we do. Um, we have to do that. Paradigm noted that. And they were like, there is something we can bring to this. There is something that we can do better. And they're doing it with this subscription service. So go check them out. If you're sold already, if this is the right solution for you, there's an email address, phone number in the description below. If you're still not quite sure, you can check out their website, uh, which is a brand new website. You go check that out. That'll be in the description below. And if you're still not sure, sign up for a learning organization webinar, which runs every other Thursday uh, now at 2 p.m. And the best thing is you can get access to all of their backlog of webinars as well, which is a whole library of amazing resource. You can get to get to know them. You can see um, their credibility in the moment and you can actually learn something while you're doing it. So go check Paradigm out. And uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Right, Crystal, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. That's all right. More than welcome. When when you're you're just about to come out actually on the on the podcast back in the other mini series when we talked about diversity, my wife yeah. was editing your episode yesterday. You're going to be our quarterly co-host for this year, the last one of this year. So it's gone quite well so far. So I'm I'm looking forward to kind of ending the first year of the quarterly co-host. So um, an absolute pleasure to be the co-host as well. Awesome. And we're just going to keep it me and you. We're just going to chew the fat uh, about a couple of things. So do you want to tell us quickly what, what we're going to chew the fat about and kind of what each episode will be? And then we'll get into today's episode. Yeah, absolutely. So the trio of podcasts that we're going to do are going to be called the, the three cornerstones of safety change. 
And episode one will be about psych safety. Sort of what is it? Why do we need it in safety and risk? The next one will be about authenticity and what is its role in safety culture, specifically safety culture change. And then the last one is all going to be about safety teams. What should they look like? What should you have in them? What is a good safety team? Um, so really looking forward to digging into these. Um, and the logic for these, actually, is when you ask me to have a think about what I want to talk about, these are the three things that I look at anywhere. This is sort of from top to bottom. Can we speak freely? You know, are people free to be themselves? And what's the skills and expertise needed to execute great safety change so that is the logic behind um the three cornerstones of safety change awesome looking forward to it do you want to introduce yourself crystal in case anybody doesn't know who you are yeah so i'm crystal danbury um i have worked in safety for 19 years this year and i have worked across nuclear rail transport and logistics telecoms and retail um and safety expert fine in terms of technical but also absolute driver of culture change and I suppose probably one thing to put in the room lots of people comment that when I speak or post or do any things like this it's sometimes about safety specifically but quite often about leadership um, and that's because my overall aim is not just to make safety better but to make the world better so um that's that's basically what I'm here to tackle and change and drive. Love that. Love that. Right then. So psychological safety, a big mm. buzzword at the moment. Let, let's get into that. In in your kind of own words, you've kind of alluded to it there, which is something you said quite nicely, which I'm going to jump on if you don't mention it again. Mm. How would you kind of define psychological safety? What is it to you? I think in the simplest of terms, it would be the freedom and confidence to speak mm. um, and speak the truth. Um, I think all too often the thing that breaks safety is this sort of fear, this fear to say. So it's the opposite of having fear um, in behind what you're saying. So, yeah, a freedom to speak openly and honestly, knowing that nothing bad will happen as a consequence. Mm. Yeah, I remember the first kind of time I stumbled across psychological safety. I was a little bit like, this is kind of what we've been missing. Like, yeah. maybe we've been missing a lot more than <laughs> more than one thing. Uh, but I, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the thing we've been missing, you know. Like when we've got all, you know, just this morning I was on, I was on a call and we were like, oh, we've we've implemented this, implemented this corporate, business wide kind of speak up campaign. And I was just kind of like, that's really good. But ultimately, if you haven't got any presence of psychological safety, it's just going to fall flat on its ass. Yeah. Just going to fall, it's just going to be a platitude. That's all it'll be. And, and I, yeah. the more I kind of look at it, and the more I think it is, it, it is so closely related to so much of our organisational challenges that we, the, the challenges we experience, you know, as you look at, kind of hop is kind of a, a solution to kind of learning from error learning from normal work and reducing error and stuff like that psychological is a massive part of that you know resilience is probably to summarize that is all about i suppose kind of building on success and being more successful and, and 
I'm kind of absorbing failure and change and stuff like that. Psychological safety is a massive part of that. You know, good management, mm-hmm. leadership. It just it's in everything. It is absolutely yeah. in everything. I think very often, I think if you see um, organisations go through the journey of culture change, they go from reactive to compliance driven to generative. The very interesting thing about that is, you know, compliance driven safety brings some result. You have to say that that's that's the case, right? Process will drive some result. So you see a nice tidy line. Then if you really want to get into generative safety, and I say this everywhere I go, you can't do anything progressive culture-wise unless someone's going to tell you what's really happening. Mm. Unless somebody's going to tell you the process is broken, the paper is broken. Yeah. If somebody's going to tell you the reason they had an accident or even tell you about the accident at all. Yeah. You can't do any work until somebody's going to tell you the truth. So the gap very often from going from um, compliance-driven safety to generative or this proactive piece the stack goes the wrong way, and I say that in inverted commas, because you have to start building trust mm. and you ha- then get told the truth. And then your stats go up because people are telling you not what's happening as a result. You know, nothing new is happening. You're just getting the honest picture. Yeah. And this can be the point that sort of boards wobble and say, oh, God, it's all going in the wrong direction. What are we doing? No, you're just finally seeing the reality. Yeah. Um, but you can't move from the centre of that dial to the really positive part, if nobody trusts you. And no, that means nobody can tell you what's really going on and therefore what needs to change. Yeah. It's interesting in, a, in an interview I watched of Amy Edmondson, who, who kind of is, is the kind of popular name within psychological safety. Um, and it was kind of her work that was picked up by Google in the Aristotle project or whatever it was called. Um she said actually she kind of has referred to it a lot as like speak up kind of culture she said in hindsight i wish i'd have called it listen up uh mm. in that and i will not forget that like she they were talking about it and the interview was like yeah so speak up and this and she was like yeah we keep mentioning speak up but she was like in hindsight i kind of wish i i wish i'd have mentioned it was it is called i wish i'd have called it listen up and i was just like hmm yeah that's a that's a much better way to kind of we can say speak up speak up all the time but ultimately if you're not listening then they're going to stop speaking yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've just done a podcast with Christian Harris and he was saying, sort of, what are your oh, yeah. three your three things um, that you would make sure we're in the centre of sort of a, a safety culture project? Like, what are your sort of three golden rules? And mine were, um, listen, step one, right? If you are actually going to ask your people to talk, you are absolutely obligated to listen. Then the second point is sit with that feedback. Mm. Do not defend it. Do not talk it down. Do not dismantle it. If somebody has told you the truth and you don't like it, that's because something is wrong, right? It's not their problem. They've been open. Your mm. job is to sit, immerse yourself in that, and really try and come from the end user's point of view. And then the third thing is act with intent. You yeah. must, must act with intent as a result of the feedback. Um, and I see so many organisations that do a dry survey, they'll explain most of the findings away, and then they'll do a plan that they never come back to. And what are you what are you hoping to achieve in terms of faith and trust from that? Mm. Yeah. And, and it just, 
you know, we, we kind of talk about that workers don't workers imagine all the time. Mm. You know, oh, it's the policies, it's procedures and all. But the I think the biggest issue in, in workers imagine the work is done is is psychological safety. You know, if, if people are too conscious or unconsciously scared to say what they what they what they believe, I suppose, what they see, what they feel, then ultimately you never doesn't matter how much work you're going to do to to kind of make your policies and procedures your approaches to risk management more people centered it doesn't matter if you haven't got that kind of relationship in which they can kind of talk to you uh open and honestly then uh then you're never going to see it and i do think as well like it's uncomfortable like like maybe we're maybe now we're going into the kind of maybe part of the next question what does this actually look like in reality like i think there's a bit of a common i don't know what your opinion is is a common kind of misconception that this is just all when everyone agrees like like and i think it's, it's quite the opposite like psychological yeah. safety is when you're in a room you're all bickering with each other but you're all doing it quite amicably and you know that you're going in the right direction and it, and it's a good thing like it's it's I'll, I'll never forget we interviewed dr dara blumenthal like ages ago and, and we clipped it and it's even in the intro now to put to the podcast and it was like it, it's oh, i'm gonna it's feeling safe to be uncomfortable and I was like, yeah. you couldn't have put it any better. Yeah, I love that. I mean, a real, a, a, something we definitely keep talking about here without um, putting our finger right on it is this, it's trust. Mm-hmm. I trust that if I say something that is uncomfortable, against the grain, breaks a process, like all that I did something wrong, that A, you'll hear me out, and that B, together, we'll learn from this. And, you know, I think the learning from failure you have to go right back and say, unless somebody's, unless somebody feels okay to tell you that they fail, you ain't learning nothing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, when you, would you say, have you, have you, you ever worked anywhere where you felt like, yeah, this is a psychologically safer environment or been anywhere that you've gone. Yeah. This is, this is what psychological safety looks like. I think and, and how really, did you know, I suppose is probably the good question. Yeah. I think actually I'm kind of going through that feeling now. I feel very psychologically safe now. Um, And really, really interestingly, I think if somebody was going to put, ask me, how do you, how how can you articulate that? How do you know you feel psychologically safe? And I would say it's quite easy, especially in our field where it's a niche profession to stand up in a room and say what's A, B, and C, right? When it's particularly related to our field, where discomfort comes or could come is when you're speaking out of lane, right? When I'm speaking about my opinion about your lane or about your performance or about something else that's going on in the business. And I feel very safe right now to be part of a conversation about something that's not technically my area of accountability. Um, and I think that's that's real safety. That's the safety that I'm not going to get shouted down. That's the safety that you're going to value my opinion about your thing. Um, it's very easy for people to value my opinion about safety because it, you know, in the organisation they employed me to do safety. That, yeah. That's the easy part. Um, I mean, in that, that's almost step one, isn't it? I've definitely worked in organisations where you go in and then you don't feel safe to say, 
I know you think this is great here, but I've got some news for you. And you really have to, you know, it's your moral obligation to land the message that you've got work to do. But knowing that that will go down badly and actually the repercussion will be, well, I'm expecting you to fix it tomorrow. Mm. Um, I've definitely worked in places like that where that's like safety is not, yeah. not there. But right now it's different. I feel like I can really be part of any conversation at a leadership level. Um, wow. And that feels really special. So you're kind of talking at it from a point of view, quite personally and broadly. So like, to me, that sounds more like confidence in your in your own ability. Or, or would you say maybe that is part of psychological safety is like confidence in, in yourself is a big part of it, maybe. Um, I think really, that's a really interesting question about what, what part, how much of psych safety is about confidence? Mm. Um, because you have to... Is it the trust that's central to psych safety that that enables you to know nothing bad's going to happen when you speak up? Like, yeah, like what is, is the trust that gives you confidence? Yeah, like, and and the, when you say trust, is that trust in yourself or is that trust in the the person you're talking to, and or is it trust in yourself and trust in the person you're talking to? I I think that, I mean, just to latch to that point, I think that's um, an amazing point. I think psychological safety, there has to be two people either side of this. It's almost like a relationship, right? There is you and then there is the recipient of your message. The thing in the middle, the event, the truth that is going to be very uncomfortable, you have to feel safe in yourself. You have to feel confident in yourself and your messaging that it's bang on. And you also have to feel confident that the person on the other side of the conversation is going to receive it and receive it openly. So I think it's definitely two parts um, there. I have to feel confident in me and the other person to receive me. Yeah, I feel like psychological safety is a property of a group and trust... confidence is a personal property whereas psychological safety is a collective property maybe like i don't know i might be way off base here but like i i i feel like psychological safety is a is a property of a group interaction so uh if you were going into a one-to-one with a hyper aggressive boss and you needed to tell them you missed a major deadline you dropped the ball yeah. Is the difficulty in that in that message being delivered about the psychological safety that they're going to be hyper aggressive, or does that not count in that room because it's one to one? No, yeah, I, no, definitely. Like, is that a psychologically safe relationship? Yeah. So I when see. I say, yeah, I probably say when I say a group, I probably mean more than one. Like, this has been more than one person, so it's either two people or more. Um, yeah. So definitely, it has to be I think a receiver. Yeah, there has yeah, there has to be kind of I don't know, I might be wrong, but like there has to be, I think, for you to uh, I think if I was to say like I feel psychologically safe, I have to be an environment in in which I can uh, my what I'm gonna say is gonna be received by people. So like yeah. there's a difference between that and confidence, I think, in that I think confidence is something that probably contributes to psychological safety. Maybe. I think maybe it's I that first step. I think I, I've definitely met a lot of people and actually been at a lot of conferences and stuff where I don't know if you've ever done sat at the bar and somebody maybe junior or maybe just like new to that sort of type of environment that's like, 
oh, I had such a good point, but I just, I just couldn't, couldn't say it. Yeah. They were confident in their own point. They knew that what they had to say was totally valid. Yeah. But it's almost that next step, isn't it, about the receiver. It's that two-way relationship again about I'm confident in my part. Just don't know about the room or the individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it feels uncertain. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, yeah. Like if you were if you were a, in the audience, in the audience of a conference, I wouldn't say that's very. It, it'd be very hard to make that a very psychologically safe environment because naturally yeah. it's quite intimidating. You've got to be very confident in yourself to 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 say something. But then I feel like every time there's an interaction in the room, the psychological safety can either increase a little bit or, or decrease a little bit, depending on the reaction of the room and the speaker. One hundred. So I think that it's almost the, um, the the next part in that journey is if you feel, if you're in a room and you really want feedback and you're not getting it, you know something about that room is missing. Whether it's the trust, the confidence, the mixture of the two whether it's a trust and confidence in yourself or trust and confidence in you, something in that dynamic is missing. Mm. But for every person that breaks that silence, if it's in a positive way and received positively, you are absolutely increasing the psychological safety of that room. Mm. But if it is, if the message out is delivered horrendously or received horrendously, you're going to, you know, that, that silence will continue. You will make it worse. So absolutely every interaction in that room that you're trying to make safe um, can increase and decrease the level of safety. Yeah. And I, I think we, when we talk about it, I think we may make it sound like it's really easy, but like, <laughs> I think there's a lot of minutiae in this, isn't there? There's a, there's so much like, I don't know, I'm thinking of ultimately when you're a trainer or you're running a workshop or something like that, especially from a safety point of view or a hot point of view, whatever it is, you're trying to create a psychologically safe environment because you want that, the delegates, the employees, whoever's in the room, you, you want and, and probably need them to interact with you. And having the situation come up where you may need to say someone, oh, actually, that's you know something awkward. So, like, that's not actually what I asked, or that's not what I was looking for, or that's not the right answer. How you can either pre-prepare for that or, or respond to that is huge in how you how you kind of increase or decrease the presence of psychological safety within the room and interestingly when i don't know if you listened to it but we had um helen heenan on the podcast and she blew my mind bearing in mind i had been a trainer for years and i come off that call thinking I'm a shit trainer. <laughs> and I thought I was good at it. And I actually thought that was the one thing that I was really good at. Um, and, and just so many things that she was like, that I have done and, and did do for a very long time. Like, can the room give me some examples of, I don't know, what's the last, the last training I did was fire safety. So give me some examples of compartmentation. Oh, it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. Okay, great. Click the slide. Here's some examples of, of compartmentation. She was like, you've just told them that what they, whatever they say doesn't matter. If you yeah. want the room to tell you what it is, don't have the slide. 
like yeah. get what they're saying and post it put it on a wall or this is not a not a workshop it's a lecture and you're just going to lecture them you're not going to ask for their opinion she was like decide what it is if it's a lecture that's fine but if you want it to be an environment where they're engaging and you're trying to build psychological safety then each time you ask them for uh, a contribution how you react to that contribution if impacts how how much psychological safety there is in a room and i was like shit (laughs) well i suppose it's it's how you build that feeling of value isn't it what i'm going to say is valuable it leads to a better end and actually Mm. in the training courses because i did um an adult teaching qualification because it was my aspiration some years ago to deliver nebosh training because i hated the way it was delivered um, because it was, I wanted to really bring safety alive and I wanted to do it in a sort of very human way. And so in that course, they did the same thing, which is I asked, ask for the, um, create a feeling of participation, um, get the answers in the room and then, you know, put your slide up. And my problem with that has always been, I don't want to create a feeling of participation. I want people to participate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want it to be an artificial feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think, when you like you say when you meet people like that where you just they blow your mind and I think that that's the whole thing about mentoring can be anything it can be finite it can be in one session Mm -hmm. it can be somebody that you read and listen to all the time there's little snippets and interestingly James you've done it for very many years it'd be very easy for you to discount that so not take the feedback not sit with it not reflect on it and just be like you do it differently to me but I've done it for ages so I know you were open to that feedback and that lesson. I'm like, right, okay, cool. And you'll probably change something as a result. Oh, 100%. I will never train the same ever again. And actually to the point where I'm desperate to do some training to try out all these new things. Like I'm literally like, I've, I've thrown options of free of charge training to members and everything in my day job, just because I am desperate to give it another go. Um, yeah. And, and I do think that is, that's a that's another important property of psychological safety is being able to be disagreed with or be told that you're you are actually wrong uh, and and just go oh okay cool that's interesting it doesn't mean you're you're submissive and you're constantly not defending yourself or you're constantly not going hang on a minute it means that when it gets to a point that you your your acknowledgement of the bias is now taking over and actually I'm no longer being sensible about this you know as soon as helen had said you know this happens and then that result created the result of that is this i was just like jesus that makes so much sense so you know the bias kind of being able to acknowledge i'm not saying i'm all amazing like i'm just using this as an example um being able to acknowledge that my my arrogance or kind of biases are I'm taking over and I'm going no Helen you're wrong and going actually Helen is right in this point I think that's a really important trait which I I find it's a rare trait in a lot of managers that I've had in the past and of the ones I have had that I've had that I've you know respected them very highly but ultimately I think maybe we've built management on two things kind of arrogance and aggression Oh, I think um, there's never a true word said, actually. Having worked in an awful lot of what I would call heavy industry, male-dominated industries, um, lots and lots of the management structures that I have seen over very many years has been built on bullish arrogance, 
um, a you know very clear direction by senior people, but an absolute fear of everybody around them to say this feels immoral or this doesn't feel quite right or is this sort of broad enough, complex enough? All of those questions, and everybody is terrified to answer the question. And then for those that aren't terrified, um, the reprimand. So all this whole thing about you know leadership being built on arrogance, I think. It's one of the worst traits of the old school traditional leadership teams. Yeah. Um, but the really wonderful thing about this is I definitely see those tables changing. I definitely mm. see the types of people sat at those tables changing. Um, and the conversations, even on ones like this, right, just they are more frequent, they are more prevalent than they ever have been to challenge that status quo and that attitude to leadership. Mm. Um I absolutely love Gary Vee. I say this all the time. And he says something, he sort of sh- almost shouts it from a stage. He says, the minute you realise that your pe- you work for your people and your people don't work for you, like you, you're right there with leadership. Yeah. Um, and I take that really to heart. Mm. Wait, I, I quote Gary Vee all the time. Like all the yeah, time. Good. And people are just like, why are you quoting this kind of like stocks and trade guy? I'm like, if, you, if that's all you think he is, then you're an idiot. Yes, he's yeah. a he's a bit, you know, he's very much an extrovert. He's really out there and stuff like that. I get that. But ultimately his message is so right, like so right. And and there is so much that safety alone could learn from him, let alone leaders in general, managers and, and many other professions. I think like in business, um, they could learn a lot from, I, I remember him answering a question about somebody had challenged him and said, you always talk about patience, but when you're talking about business, you're talking about being, you know, constantly switched. If it's your own business, if you're an entrepreneur, you speak about being up all hours of the day and night, responding to every single tweet that, you, that was ever sent to you. So that doesn't feel patient to me. That feels, you know, hyper-focused. And he was like, well, well, we're talking about an activity or we're talking about sort of business. And he said, it's macro patience, mate. Mm. Never going to change anything overnight. Mm. In terms of the day-to-day, hyper-focus is required if it's, if it's just your bag. Um, and he was just like, so let me just say this again. Macro patience, you know, micro focus, like a, a, attentiveness, basically. Mm. And I thought, I love that. And I feel that when I look at an organization, especially one that I think I can really help this organization grow, macro patience, because lots of people have to come on a journey, micro focus mm. uh, on the activities and the like individual conversations I have that build to a bigger purpose. Mm. And before we slip into a podcast, we're just talking about how much we can learn from Gary Vee, which I actually yeah. feel like we should just record that now. I feel like that has to happen. Um, <laughs> That, that needs to happen. We should just get loads of clips of Gary V, watch it, have it play yeah. in the middle of the screen, and me and you can just like analyze it. And just yeah. uh, that would be great content. Anyway, I I, I, talking of Gary V, there is one thing that he says a lot, which I think is massively important to well, business in general, uh, especially human error and, and failure, but ultimately psychological safety. And we've we've touched on it. It is empathy. I mean, the man's wine his own wine line is called empathy i believe or um, something around that and um you know he, he talks about that all the time is having empathy of mm-hmm. the, the you know of the person that's telling you or and we talk about it a lot in 
in in hop, putting yourself in another person's shoes, safety differently. We'll talk about it. Get in the tunnel. We talk about it in many different ways. I interviewed Chris Clearfield, who we we read the book in the book club of Meltdown. So he talks about complexity theory and tight coupling, and. And it was just so funny that he was he was talking away and he was like, oh, I was having a chat the other day, James, with, um, with somebody else. And we were saying, Do you know what we need? We need like, um, I can't remember what he called it, but we need like business empathy or something like that. And I said, that's creepy. And I literally leant over my screen, picked a post-it that I'd wrote off the, uh, ages ago on the wall. And I went, look at that post-it. And it said, organizational empathy. And I was like, you're exactly right. We need we need to be better at being empathetic towards just people in general. Isn't it crazy? Every organization has one thing in common, right? It's built on people. Mm. You need somebody to deliver the widget, the product, the message, the whatever, right? Mm. And yet we lose the focus that it's about people. Yeah, I know, right? At, and if they all went home tomorrow and didn't come back, you don't have a business. You have liquidation, yeah. right? They turn up tomorrow and do a better job. Your business is better. If they turn up tomorrow and do a worse job, you have a worse business. Yeah. Your people create whatever you're doing. And yet we will drive to a piece of paper, we'll drive to a process, and we forget the yeah. biggest asset and the, the thing that makes every organization happen is people. Um, so empathy has to be core, a really core principle, I think, of business, mm. because it's very easy to build an ivory tower away from all those people that deliver your business. Um, and without empathy, you have detachment. And with detachment, you that's that's a, on a hide into nothing. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose bringing it back to psych safety and safety, I think this is why I feel extremely privileged to do this job to work in my field because my job doesn't have a lane. It doesn't have a specific area of the business. I get to look after people. I get to put people in the center. I get to empathize mm. and bring that to life for an organization. And I think it's magic. And I, I think empathy is one of the really big keys to psych safety. And it's that whole thing about, I trust you to care about my message. I trust you to care about my feedback. Yeah. Um, and the best example of psych safety and making somebody feel comfortable that I, I ever had, and it's such a small example, I went out with an engineer about two, maybe three years ago now, and he was, I, I, spend every other, I was spending every other week with an engineer, um, one day every fortnight with an engineer, just to see what life was like. No pens, no papers, just like, what's life like? And I'd spent a little time with this guy and I was talking about his life and his kids and, you know, we'd rolled up to this job. And um, he started to do this test and he said, do you want me to show you how we really do it? Oh, nice. And I said, I'd love to. I'd really love to know because I bet it's bloody clever. And he was like, it is actually really clever. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, and I'll, never, I'll never say what it was that he showed me, but it was extremely clever extremely dangerous <laughs> and i was like <laughs> and i was like okay um a thank you so much for, for sort of sharing this with me yeah. where do you think we should go from here what do yeah. you think we should do and do you see the risk to yourself because nothing's worth more than you getting home yeah. so where do we go and he was just like well i think really you have the knowledge that this happens now and i've told you why we do it this way maybe you can tackle the why and, you know, 
I'll, I'll try not to do it this way anymore. <laughs> and we had a really big, really big conversation about this might be quicker and it might be really hot out there in terms of like getting the job done. But you are worth more than this job, right? And you always will be. So when you've got 10, you know, this takes eight minutes and your way takes 30 seconds, your life is always worth eight minutes. Mm. So make the right decision. And in the meantime, I will try and fix this. Mm. And the conversation for the rest of the day, he was just like, well, I'm not going to show you all of this other stuff. I'm just going to show you what we really do. And because I'd spoken to him about him and because he felt safe, and at the, at the top of it, I said to him, and maybe this is a little bit about how you induce psychological safety, how you start. I said to him, I ain't got no pen and paper today, mate. I'm not mm. interested in notes. I'm not interested in close calls or near misses. I'm interested in you and your day and all of the great stuff and crap stuff that you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, I'm just here to learn. Love that. And we got literally halfway through the day. And I think it was, like, she ain't got a pen out. She ain't got paper out. She's just talking to me about me. She's interested in what I'm doing. It builds, it, there was trust. Mm, I love that. That's such a good story. I love that. What, like such a goldmine for a modern day safety risk professional or whatever to, to hear the line. Do you want me to show you how we really do it? Yeah. Uh, yes please <laughs> uh, why don't you ask sooner oh my god like what a gold mine it reminds me of a story actually that is probably one of my favorite moments but but also one probably one of my proudest moments as a, as a professional but also one of the biggest lessons in in my career as well in that I'd, I'd arranged this i used to do kind of audits basically they were called audits and I'd, I'd said for a very long time can we not just change the word of this it sounds very daunting people don't like it but the, the, the company kind of refused to and long story short so anyway I do these audits and I get to this property and I turn up and I pull into the driveway and on this one day I was actually we'd had a new colleague join the safety team and um and I said look if you want to come and kind of join me for a day or whatever happy to to have you along mate um to kind of help you just in, induce yourself into the company uh, and he said oh yeah great i'd love to come down with with you and do and do one of your properties so i said what about this day so anyway we get to probably there's two of us right so two safety professionals come in to audit this property to return up get to the door a guy answers the door full high vis right and he kind of like kind of blocks us and just says like, you know, kind of like ushers us like a parking attendant and says, hello, hello, hi, I'm Mark. And you could tell he's really kind of chewing his words. He was a bit nervous, like, and, and he was like, would you, would you like to just sign in for, for health and safety reasons, if you wouldn't mind just signing in? And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, mate. I don't mind signing in. So he kind of signed in and uh, my colleague signed in as well. And we kind of looked at each, shot each other a glance and we're like, Something not right here. Something not right here. And um, and we kind of got in, and it, it was kind of my audit, and so it, my colleague had kind of let me kind of take the lead on it, and we'd gone in, and uh, and he said, right, should we should we have a look around uh, around it? And I thought, this is my opportunity now. I've got to do something right now to to change this. Uh, otherwise, yeah. I'm screwed. What can I do? What can I do? What can? I? And I just went back to what I always resort back to is just being authentic james which is 
like so not formal <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like, which is just coincidentally like what I'm like I don't like formal stuff I'm not formal I'm very relaxed I'm very laid back I like a laugh I like to relax um so I just went Do you know what mate I've been driving for an hour my colleague's been driving for about three hours I'm sure we could pretty much nail a cup of tea uh before we do absolutely anything else can we just have a brew uh, and he was like Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, do you want to have a look around whilst we have I said, have you got a, just somewhere we could sit? Just let's just sit and have a chat and have a cup of tea. I was like, what do you think? And my colleague was like, yeah, definitely. I've been driving for hours, so just do a chill for a minute. So he got it. So I, I also in the back of my head whilst I'm doing this, I'm worried what kind of safety professional is this, is the new guy. I had a good yeah. feeling about him anyway from chats that we've had, but I was also in the back of my head like, is he going to pick up that we need to change here? Um, yeah. And we need to we need to kind of make this guy feel. And he got it straight away. And we just kind of just had a chat for for ages, like just sat there having a coffee. Didn't talk about anything. It was like, what do you like? He liked football. This guy, like he, we were just chatting about football. And I said, I'm not really a football guy. I'm a more of a rugby guy. And then we were chatting about rugby for a bit. And um, and then he just kind of, you could just see him. His shoulders went down, and he kind of just relaxed a little bit. And then I just said. I'm just going to call it on. I'm just going to call it and see what the issue is. Um, I said, look, mate, when I turned up, I'll be honest with you, I've got feeling like you were really nervous. I felt like you were really worried about us turning up. You want to tell me what that's about? And he basically told me the story of the last time he had an audit from my predecessor. And this guy would like shower at him and was just like like a police officer, basically. I don't know that's a cliche in our profession now, but... You know, I'd, I'd actually never, I know we talk about all the police officers, but I'd actually never heard a story as bad as this. This guy was would shout at him being like, why is this door like this? This shouldn't be like this. You're incompetent. And I was just like, really? And me and my colleague were like, Makes me feel we're sick shocked. That anyone gets treated like that. I know, yeah. we were shocked. We were like, you, you're having a son. Please tell me you're exaggerating. And he was like, I'm honestly not. So we asked a couple of other members of staff in that area and they were all like, no, he was he was very much like that. And we were just like, oh, my God. Both of us were infuriated that that, that had kind of created the, that reputation for our profession. But now imagine this. His his last interaction was like that, being shouted at. He then gets an email six months later from me saying, hi, yeah, I'm just coming along to do an audit. Uh, and also, do you mind if my other colleague comes? Yeah. Uh, there's going to be two of us. Yeah. Yep. Not only is there one copper that's going to shout at you now, there's two. We'd yeah. not even turned up on site and there was zero psychological safety. He was never yeah. going to tell us the truth of that property. What he was actually going to do is probably hide everything that was wrong. Sure. Um, but, but we kind of managed to nail, like bring that down, get him to relax, introduce some psychological safety. Um, we, we did end up having to get our paperwork out, unfortunately, because at the end of the day, it was an audit, um, I'm which pains yeah, me. I can't remember shit, so I need to make notes. But yeah, what I did do is he, we got to the point and he was like, right, do we want to have a look around now? I said, yeah, look, I've got to take some notes, mate. Do you mind if I if I just take some notes whilst we go around? And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, I kind of gave him the power to make the decision. Like, do you mind if I take some notes as we go around? And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I said, I'll, I'll have some questions as we go. But really, all I, all I want to know, mate, is what you're struggling with. What, what are yeah. you doing? You know, what are your challenges? How can we help? That's all we really want to know. And my colleague, Lee, who now, you know, does amazing stuff in safety, um, you know, he he's 100% on that. He got it and he was with it. And we had a great day. We had a great day. Yeah. 
Uh, do you know the beautiful thing about that scenario as well is he will talk to his peers and that even if it's that a couple of percent of a dial changed for the next people that interact with you because yeah. they now know what your approach is like your interaction on that micro focus can have such a ripple effect and especially in this profession mm. if you get known to be the reasonable pragmatic helpful coaching mm. style of manager you end up people re- um, no doubt people reached out after that to say yeah. I, can i proactively have some help yeah yeah and, and he he actually became a massive pain in my ass because he rang me all the time whenever he had a yeah. problem <laughs> yeah. so you know it's up to you if you want psychological <laughs> safety your own yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and you know he was he was actually really he was a really good guy and it was a shame when, when i actually left the company and i went and i i arranged a, another audit because we still hadn't changed the name of the of the audits unfortunately um and um i went and had a cup of tea with him and said bye and that but it was uh yeah it's a lovely guy and I, I hope that in the future he gets better safety professionals um well you know what i think it's um there are a couple of times i think as you go through your career where you think oh, i'm doing this all right actually i'm yeah. doing this the right way and those moments the you know, the being able to sit in a room and say, right, mate, you look well nervous. What's going on? Or mm. the, do you want me to show you how it's really done? Or I was just thinking about, I did an audit position once in rail. And the first time I ever went out to do an audit, I was locked out of the station. Like, And this is a major city station. So they just locked it down because they were terrified. Um, And just having a conversation to say, look, I know you know what you're doing and I trust you. I'm coming anyway. So unless you want me to open these doors by myself and make a judgment with no context, mm. I can. Much rather you be here to tell me what the day-to-day feels like and why something is the way that it is. Mm. And by the end of that audit, I had the same. I had all of the local managers be like, are you auditing me next? Because yeah. it sounds like you're a lot of help. Because mm. that's what we're meant to be doing, right? Mm. It's supposed to be helping them identify what could hurt them yeah. and helping them make it better. And I think as well, like I was just thinking, like what what was the kind of tangible advice that we could kind of close mm. this up with? Like how, and and I was thinking, like how could you tell you haven't got it? Like because people might think, like oh yeah, we have good banter with each other and we have good chats and and all that. Like so, it might feel like you're in a really comfortable environment, but actually, when it comes to honestly being told in the workforce actually we don't do it like that or 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 kind of we're always making errors we just don't say and i was thinking back to what are the kind of phrases that i've heard um Mm. that might indicate that i might not have known back then but actually would look on it differently now and that would be like oh yeah this has happened loads of times or yeah we've always done it like that those kind of classic lines that we always talk about in safety as a kind of you know, or humans and all that's crap. Like that is an indication that they don't feel safe to tell you about it. In my opinion, if, I, th- I think if you were gonna, if you were gonna take a step back and think, what what is psychological safety? And it, we're talking about an individual's person being able to say what they need to say. What you know, be open. And. I think for me, I can always tell if the room's not quite right or the individual's not quite right. If I ask them how they are and they mm. trip over a fairly formal answer, yeah. I already know that they're priming an answer even to a very simple personal question 
rather than, well, actually, it's garbage at the moment. Like, it works crazy. Like, okay, so we've got some openness yeah, about how you're really doing. So I think asking how somebody really is, the way they answer can be stiff or comfortable or, like, gushing with reality or not. It's probably the first indicator for me that they are feeling safe or they're not. Mm. Um, and then to step on from there... If they are brilliant, you know, stay with that vibe. If they're not, there are some things I think you can do to help. Um, one of them is I always say this internally: go first. If they're not sure, then talk about the last whatever it is safety inspection that you've done and how you had a great time. And actually, you learned about something that was done completely off piece. So interesting. Really make an example of your approach. Um, so that they they might not be able to trust you straight away. Mm. But the more they hear about a colleague trusted you to do something, you didn't do anything bad as a result, you can set that scene at intro stage. Yeah. And that, for me, is usually walking to the meeting. Just like, you all right, mate? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, wicked. What, what, what's going on at the moment? It seems like really high paced around here. Ooh. And then you just pull them into what they know, make them be comfortable with them. And then build on that with what's the last thing that you did. And I very often with engineers, because I used to be one, I'll say about a time that I broke the rules and why. Mm. Um, I'm really open about that. So, you know, why do I do what I do? I do it because nobody listened to me mm. as an engineer. Nobody put my safety first. They wrote a cold process and it's usually garbage. Ha ha ha. Because it was. And then you get a little bit of like, well, yeah, well, it is garbage, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I think just if you want somebody to be psychologically safe you have to be vulnerable you can't do it without yeah yeah and it is inherently like a sense of vulnerability within it and i think people don't like using that word vulnerable like i i, I kind of said a few times in in conversations you know we as leaders have to be vulnerable right now and and that oh i don't really like the term vulnerable i'm not sure we're vulnerable like no you're seeing vulnerable is a bad thing like yes it is it is a bit scary for us and and i i know the word vulnerable is has a negative connotation to it but ultimately it's kind of positive vulnerability in a way like the the result that we're going to get from this vulnerability is a shitload of data that's going to tell us what what it happens but you have to be vulnerable to be able to have some be comfortable with someone to turn around and say i actually don't think you know what you're doing <laughs> and this is the best way to do it because you haven't been on the shop floor for 10 years or you've never been on the shop floor or whatever it is like swallow the arrogance and let them tell you what work is really like um, Absolutely. especially for safety professionals as well like i think we we need to understand how much we are impacting psychological safety by the way we're reacting to to yeah. to stuff. And I kind of like as we're having this conversation, and we're thinking, you know, I, I know you, I, I'm not sure you got on very well with the book and um, that we read this month at Project Eaton, but um, we just finished reading Carsten's book on culture. And um, interestingly, like the kind of tone that came out of that, that culture is kind of its emergent property of interact from interactions, which for me is kind of like also what psychological safety is. Like it's an emergent property of, of interactions, which comes back to what we were saying earlier. It's a property of the group in a way. But listening to what we're talking about, I'm like, it is a property of that interaction, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I suppose what, what I was thinking while you were talking there is, 
I think the thing that's permeated my head right now is we have several types of relationship in our lives. We have friendships, we have um, family, we have our loved ones, our partners. We also have working relationships, right? In all the other ones other than work, if we are not vulnerable to being pulled up, if we're being a douchebag or, um, you know, pulled up on our behavior or whatever, you can't progress the relationship or the relationship falls over, Mm. right? That is part of the cause of any relationship where you really want it and you're invested in it growing and being long then we get to work the minute you get clinical you're in a relationship with that organization right you're in a relationship with all of your peers around you with your manager without the same level of vulnerability you can't it can't be healthy just Mm -hmm. like a marriage or a friendship it can't go long term like a marriage or a friendship and don't expect to grow in it like a marriage or a friendship Mm. Couldn't have said any better myself, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not sure what to say to that. I, I think that we do need to change the oh, mate. I think we do need to change the way that we view work. Like we 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 like we need to eradicate the same same shit different day. Or do you know what I mean? I'm just getting paid a buck, and that's what we're here for. Like, yes, there are elements to every job that you just kind of turn up and and collect a paycheck. I get that, but. If, if leaders really want to unleash the full potential of their people, um, they need to make sure that they feel psychologically safe to tell you why they can't unleash their full potential. Because yeah. it might be you or the systems that you've created. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. I think if we were going to nail down some stuff then, right, for like key takeaways for this for people, mm. I think there are some real fundamentals about what it is. And even if you can't articulate it perfectly, there is something in there about a two-way relationship. Yeah. There's something in there about building trust. Yeah. There is something about being really open to feedback, to that vulnerability to be told you're not doing a great job as my boss right now because I feel like crap. <laughs> yeah. To be open to that or whether it's you creating a system or whatever. Um, and then how to build it, how to recognise it. There's sort of real initial questions or even if it's an office you're working all the time that's quite quiet yeah and then how to build go first mm, be I vulnerable. Like that. yeah I like talk that. about a time you messed up um and i would say put your whole self in that room if you're asking somebody to bring their whole self to work i hear this all the time and then you won't talk about your whole self yeah. someone's going to only mirror your effort there yeah um so go first yeah i i would kind of second a lot of those one of these that my point is definitely kind of seconded it like if you want someone to bring their whole self to work then you also need to care about their whole self like if you're the kind of guy that says or girl or, or anyone that says that they want to bring you want them to bring their whole self to work but you're also that person on linkedin that's like this is a professional platform we don't talk about personal lives but hey, <laughs> minute, you want me my whole self or what because my whole self is including my puppy my baby my wife lack of sleep like what i did at weekend that's my whole self you either want it or you don't and, and if you choose it. not to want it that's fine you know what that's your organization i don't want to work there but, but ultimately that's that's what you choose that's your prerogative um so like asking you know going 
Hi, Crystal. How are you? Oh, great. That's good. Uh, can you can you get that report done? Like how you react and how you interact with a person has consequences to the culture of the organization and the psychological safety of an organization. If you ask somebody how they are, then you need to listen to that response. If you don't want to listen to that response, you don't have time to listen to that response. That's fine. Yeah. Don't ask. Yes. Be real. Yeah. say do you know what my tail is on the fire at the moment and i'm yeah. really sorry mate i'd love to have a brew we need, we need to grab it next time yeah um and i think that's you know that's being human i i love the point i really love the point that you've just said there that i want to just really really bring to the fore about if you're asking people to bring their whole self to work you have to commit to care about them and it could be very easy for somebody listening to us to write down some sort of key things, how to recognise it, what they can do, and think of it as transactional mm. and a, and a skill set that they can just sort of build on. And what I'd really like to put in the centre of that is that care piece that if somebody doesn't feel psychologically safe, rest at the word safe. That individual doesn't feel safe right now. This is not transactional. This is not a mining exercise for information your role right now is to make them feel safe if you want mm. the best out of your conversation and your relationship you need to you need to make them feel safe that's a really yeah. human caring thing it's not transactional and and also it's not it's it's subjective so mm. it's different to every single person. One person will be psychologically safe in this environment and another person won't be psychologically safe in that environment. And it's ultimately a really bloody hard challenge to work out how you get those two people in a team and they're all together. Um, I, I do think that lived values, principles, purposes, whatever you want to call them, mission, vision, values, whatever, I do think if you have them, and, yeah. and you've done them right in the e.g. the organization is, is a big part of that. The employees are a big part of that and they're lived throughout the organization. I think that that's a really important part. I think the sub teams throughout a chain of a hierarchy should have their own mission, vision and values so that then you can have those difficult conversations, all knowing that we're going in that right direction. Um, I think we we don't do we we devalue a lot of that stuff as just a management like practice and like no they're really important is what are our values of the team and what are we trying to achieve so that i can say crystal i don't agree with what you've just said and it's not personal it's because i'm i'm on the same boat as you and i want us to make sure that we're going in that direction but i actually don't agree that that's the right direction because inevitably yeah. teams will disagree and people yeah. are different and people are more uncomfortable or uncomfortable in one environment than they are the other yeah. and with that complexity we all need something to hold on to yeah and we need to know what we exist for and i think that's really really important yeah i love the micro the mission that they're having separate values disagree because i feel like people will just be all over the place but that that micro mission i totally wholeheartedly agree with because you need to be able to turn up and be like this is our ship this is mm. where we're going this is what this is the island we're aiming for and know that everybody else has got that mission and, and really feels on board with that as well, part of that process. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. We'll have to discuss on values one day. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, ultimately, if an organisation has lived values, then 
a team probably wouldn't need their own values, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I I probably agree on that point. Um, I'd also I'd think one last thing for people to take away. Um, if psychological safety is not on your risk assessment, then I think you should be considering it as a risk to your organization. Because if you ain't got it, the big risk. Do you know what? What an epic statement to end on. That is what a reflection point. It is a risk to your organization. What I love is what's the severity? I'm, I'm in now. I'm thinking about the severity. How bad could that be? Yeah. What could the impact be? What yeah. a cool thing to think about. And how yeah. can we fudge the likelihood numbers so that it doesn't go in the red? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Absolutely brilliant. Definitely. I think we're missing a lot of shit in our business if it if it's not there. I think we we look at risk assessments so uh, transactional you know where are the hazards what's the likelihood like you're not considering all these safe stuff like like we've we've just kind of launched in the day job our operational risk framework and and culture is a is a risk it's in there as a risk it's, it's not something like is our risk kind of structure here's our culture no if our culture is risk or where if we were to include risk or opportunity you know depending on your culture it's an opportunity or a or a mitigation whatever you want to call it or if it's not very good it's a risk same as psychological okay. safety all of that stuff they're, they're risk to your organizations or they are their mitigations of the risk one or the other i'm going to have a proper proper reflect on that what a bombshell to land at the end james now i'm just like got so much to think about i could (laughs) i could talk about risk assessments all day long they're literally my my soapbox more than most things i just yeah anyway i shall let you go thank you very much crystal i look forward to the next one what just quickly what what we remind us what we're talking about in the next uh episode So join us again for um, a podcast on authenticity and what its role is in culture change. Awesome. And if people want to hear more about your stories that you alluded to in your in your in your career in a very male dominated environment, they should go check out the diversity miniseries because you'll either be out when this comes out. You've either just come out or been out a while. I think I can't remember um, what the structure looks like. I've gladly handed that over to my wife. (laughs) thank you very much lovely thanks james okay peeps hope you enjoyed that episode that was episode one of the quarterly co-host got two more to come um obviously quarterly co-host there's three episodes so i hope you like that hope you got some value out of it hope you took some good notes let us know what you thought um don't forget to go check out paradigm human performance and if you're keen to understand what I'm doing, um, you can check out loads of stuff that I'm doing. Go check out rebrandingsafety.com. Um, there's that the website with all our merch and stuff. And maybe don't buy any merch yet because we've got some new stuff coming. If you're listening to this live, if you're listening to this like two years after we've published it, then go to rebranding safety and check it out. Uh, ultimately, come over to projectmeletium.com and check us out over there. See what we're doing. All the websites and links and stuff is all in the description below. But don't forget to check out Paradigm, connect with me on LinkedIn, connect with me on Twitter, connect with Crystal as well. And ultimately, I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. 
No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.